You're listening to Collective Choices. Hello, I'm Doro Prishan, at the moment in Stuttgart, at the Urban Future Conference. This is where urban changemakers from around the world come together to share ideas and solutions to improve life in our cities. My first guest here knows a lot about cities. Mr. Carlos Moreno, researcher, professor in Paris, lifelong innovator with over 40 years of activity in many different fields, focusing on intelligent control of complex systems and lately on improving the quality of life in urban environments. Also, he's now world famous. Uh, if you've read anything about the 15-minute city concept in the past two years, you've seen his name. Welcome to Collective Choices, Mr. Moreno. Thank you for your kind invitation. Thank and you pleasure. for coming. We're not going to talk too much about the 15-minute it's a city uh, concept because in my mind that's a really simple thing and uh, I would like to focus maybe on the more philosophical aspects of urban design and improving life in our uh, in our cities I want to look at the broader picture because you have a lot of experience from many different fields and uh, an experience uh, of many many years so I would like to ask you first uh, where do you think we are in terms of improving the quality of life in our cities Thank you. I think that today we need to redesign our cities for improving the essential point, the quality of life for uh, inhabitants. And in reality, with the 50-minute city concept, with the 30-minute territory, because we have developed two twin concepts, 50-minute city concept in uh, density zones and the 30-minute territory for medium and low uh, density zone, we wanted to redefine the quality of life for offering a lot of different services in a holistic view. We need to change radically our lifestyle, our work style, and we need to offer a real satisfaction of our essential needs. Our scientific contributions, in fact, is based on this idea that we could redefine the quality of life based on six essential functions to live, to work without a long commute, to supply for creating a local economy, more local employment, to care for the medical services, to educate for uh, having more access to educational and cultural activities in proximities, and to enjoy the public spaces, not for cars, but for, for humans. This is the six essential needs and our redefinition of the high quality of life is based on this polycentric view of a city for offering anywhere, uh, every time, this access to the maximum of six essential functions for uh, each one of us. And for all the scientific talk, it's actually more simple than that because it's about enjoyment. It's about enjoying your daily life in the place where you chose to live. That's basically it. We need to offer this uh, integrity of uh, satisfaction, the essential needs. The enjoyment is one of the functions, in particular for offering more activities in the public spaces, for uh, using differently the public space. Today, unfortunately, more than two-thirds of the public space is dedicated to cars and individual drivers with diesel cars. 
we need to change radically this situation, given that, uh, on the one hand, uh, we have today uh, this global threat for uh, citizens, dwellers, cities, and humanity, the climate uh, change. The global warming is today a reality, including in Europe. This is not only a question in Africa or in uh, no, no, uh, Asia. This is a reality in our daily life today. And the uh, presence of uh, cars uh, in cities is uh, one of the reasons for uh, being aware that we need to, to change. At the same time, I want to insist that the 50 minutes concept, the 30 minutes territory, the proximity revolution is not a new circulation plan. No, it's not. Even if we need to change the priority in the mobility in cities. But in reality, we wanted to contribute for um, having a response for this essential question. Why we need to move daily for our activities? Why we need to spend to one hour or more just for going from my home to my office? Why we need to be in, in, in a permanent commute for working, but not only for working, for accessing to the, the different services? Our vision is the middle-term and long-term vision because it is impossible to change in just a few months, uh, more than seven decades of uh, zoning in the, the, our different cities. But this is more than a question of uh, mobility. It's a question to have a real improvement of our daily quality of life. So it is clear that we need to make some changes in the way we live, but it doesn't seem that we are moving fast enough to make those changes. And I would ask you, what is keeping us from doing that? Yes, yes. In reality, when we have, uh, this is our case, the possibility for studying the history of urbanism, of the architecture, of the modern urbanism, of the modern architecture. The reality is that uh, in our cities around the world, we have been continuing to live uh, in the legacy of the Athens Charter, of the Le Corbusier um, concept. Philosophy. Yeah. The, yeah, philosophy and reality. Uh, Le Corbusier was the father of the modern architecture, right. but he was as well the father of the modern urbanism. Based on sonification, the development of the big infrastructures. Yes, highways. For accessing to the different uh, separated functions. And in the legacy of Le Corbusier, we had in the USA, in New York, Robert Moises, we have in different uh, countries uh, in Europe. This same way for developing our cities with uh, the three materials, uh, the cement for uh, building infrastructures in, in permanence, metal for cars, and the uh, fossil energies. We have shaped our city, not for humans, yes, we designed. but for these three materials. Exactly, for cars Simon, and infrastructure. Metal for cars and for energy. We need today to reverse this situation. And our contribution is a contribution with the other branches. Another legacy is the legacy of Clarence Ferry at the beginning of the 20th century with the modular neighborhood. It's the legacy in the 60s of Jane Jacobs with the living cities is the legacy of the new urbanism in the UK and the USA. is the legacy of the Nobel Prize of uh, uh, Geography, Thorsten Angerstrand, the time geography. 
is the legacy of the chrono-urbanist, as François Cher, the French. And in reality, we wanted to develop this new convergence of uh, a new vision on the useful time, the chrono-urbanism, for changing the rhythm for living and for working in cities. We need to develop a new chronotopia for using differently in the day, in the night, in the week, in the weekend, in the month, the different infrastructures that exist today. And the first point is the legacy of the new topophilia for loving our streets, our squares, our places. The 50-minute city, the proximity revolution, is the intersection, is the convergence of these three elements the chrono-urbanism, the chronotopia, and the topophilia. And the success, uh, the planetary success of uh, this concept is based on the very concrete propositions for changing the rhythm for working, today accelerated by the consequences of the COVID-19, the chronotopia for transforming the business model of the real estate in cities, the corporate real estate and the residential real estate, for mixing our different activities in the, uh, in the places, for reducing the distances. And the third one, the chronotopia, for developing a new urban culture, more pedagogical activities, more otherness, more capabilities for intensifying the social interactions. So where do you think the biggest resistance to this comes from, from the behavior side or the economical side? Yes, you're right. We could observe the big uh, resistances for these changes. I think that we have uh, three sources of resistances for embracing this model. The first one, the old uh, business model for cities, because for a long time we have a business model based on desertifications industrial activities, the economical activities. We need for that to build in the outskirts. Everything in different places. In the different places. And this is a business model for the corporate real estate in particular with the special economic activity zones. Of course, this old model, it is totally normal that we have resistance. On the other hand, we observe the emergence of the new business model for in their real estate uh, activities for mixing, for developing this uh, new kind of uh, buildings and infrastructures, for offering residential activities, cultural activities, medical services, co-working, for uh, fostering the remote jobs in the decentralized uh, jobs. The second resistance is the resistance of citizen dwellers, because a lot of people in reality have used to live with a car as the normality. And today the statistics are very, very amazing because uh, in reality, a lot of people have used a car uh, just for a few kilometers. But this is as well the normality for several decades. And we need to change the mindset of citizen dwellers. And the first resistance is the old mindset of politicians, because we need to act for changing radically, quickly, our lifestyle, our work style. For that, we need to take the radical decision as a politician. And sometimes politicians should take unpopular decisions. 
Exactly, because that kind of fast change cannot come from the citizens right now. Maybe they sense it, but politicians need to act before the citizens will ask for it. Yeah, politicians in democracy, it is totally normal, are very voting sensitive. And a lot of decisions may be unpopular, in particular when we have decided to reduce the place, the role of, of the king car. And we could observe the situations when in the UK, for example, the mayors have decided for uh, developing the low traffic neighborhood, the LTN or the Julius. That was decades ago. Yeah, the low emission zones. We have this uh, resistance of uh, population and we have uh, noted this uh, insane campaign against uh, the 50-minute city and myself uh, during February <laughs> and March by the conspiracy mongers around the world saying uh, that uh, they will prefer to continue to keep uh, a car because for seven decades uh, it is uh, normal to have a car for commuting and we need to change that. As a friend of mine said, uh, we are also in a crisis of imagination right now. It's hard to imagine different ways of, uh, of living at the moment. But speaking of uh, imagination and uh, coming up with new things, you've also been involved with technology for many, mm -hmm. many decades. So mm -hmm. I would ask you if you think the answer to these problems we mm -hmm. are facing in cities will come from technology or not, because many especially big companies, like to promise that uh, mm. the solution comes from, from there, but I'm not so sure. Yes, you're right. In fact, uh, we have um, lived with the technological revolution uh, after the emergence of uh, internet, uh, after 2000, after the emergence of the Internet of Things, of the smart devices, and of course, uh, the social networks and algorithms. And I think uh, that for, for a long time, um, in reality, we are uh, in, in face uh, with uh, a big mistake with the techno-centered ideas, because for maybe a question of uh, business, a lot of uh, worldwide companies believe that uh, with uh, technologies, we could solve uh, the complex situations uh, in cities. I was one of the pioneers in this wave uh, called uh, smart cities for uh, uh, improving our quality of life based on technological solutions. And fortunately, in 2010, around the world, we have observed another movement for considering that it is uh, a wrong path to bet on technologies for solving a problem as uh, climate change, poverty, and social exclusion. We have uh, developed another movement. At the beginning, I consider that uh, this is uh, the human smart city for having under control the technological breakthrough for developing more humanity, more services, for uh, having a real uh, improvement of the quality uh, of life. Worldwide, I think that uh, we have won this uh, cultural battle uh, between the technological-centered conceptions and this way for considering that the technologies, a technological breakthrough, are a powerful ally for offering more and more uh, 
services for developing a real improvement of our quality of life. And of course, this is the case uh, with technologies. Uh, for example, if we want to develop uh, by capability, nobody thinks that it is possible without the technologies. We need a digital platform for offering the electrical bike sharing, for example. Yes. Uh, we need to have uh, my uh, smart card for uh, taking uh, my bike. We need to uh, develop uh, the digital platforms for managing the participatory budget. It is impossible to have a participatory budget without a digital platform for managing the totality of uh, process. Uh, this is the, the, the same question for uh, optimizing our local markets in cities, for uh, offering uh, the better conditions in the water or air. We need technologies just for measuring the level of air quality, for example, or water quality. I think technology will be a very, very important tool as long as we have the right direction. And the direction itself is not technology. The direction itself is human-centric design and planet-centric design. Because if you maintain the ecosystem and uh, all the sustainable uh, systems, then you will have uh, quality of life and you will use technology to get there, absolutely. I would also ask you about Paris, because you've mm -hmm. been involved mm -hmm. in the transformation of Paris. Yes. Mm -hmm. And... The question would be, which city will be next? <laughs> in Paris? No, in Paris. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I want to say just in sentence about Paris. I want to pay tribute to the mayor of Paris, Anne Hidalgo. This is so important because I want to comment in other cities. However, if we have today this planetary movement for developing proximity, for developing the big bang of proximity, for developing this revolution of uh, shorter distances for satisfying the high quality of life. At the core of this global movement is the decision of Anne Hidalgo at the end of 2018 for embracing this concept, for betting for this concept in her electoral campaign for proposing the 50-minute city before having this planetary COVID-19 uh, pandemic worldwide situation. And the success of this global movement is totally related to her commitment. Without, I think, that my scientific uh, contributions, it was uh, a, a nice contribution. However, maybe this uh, planetary wave, it will not be the same uh, without uh, his uh, contribution. And today... In the city of Paris, two weeks ago, we have voted the Paris City Council the new Bioclimate Local Urbanism Plan for transforming the 50-minute city concept in a, a new rules for the next decade in Paris. And this is a real structural change because this is not uh, the different uh, actions or measures This is now a new uh, strategic urban plan for 10, maybe 15 years. Yes, it changes the development from now on. Yeah. And today, in other cities, in Europe or in Asia, in um, North America, uh, Latin America, including in Africa, we have this movement. On the one hand, the C40 cities, the global network of cities committed against climate change, has embraced this concept at the beginning of the pandemic as well. In March 2020 and July 2020, the C40 cities has adopted officially the 50-minute city concept as a... Global vision 
On the other hand, uh, the United uh, Cities and Local Governments Associations, uh, the very, very powerful association of uh, local governments, uh, have embraced this concept as well uh, the last uh, year. The UN Habitat has embraced as well this, uh, this moment. I think uh, that we could be uh, very proud of that. With uh, these powerful allies, uh, we have launched in Nairobi uh, two weeks ago the General Assembly of UN Habitat, the new Global Observatory of Sustainable Proximities with uh, UN Habitat, C40 Cities, USLG, and our team at Sorbonne University, Paris Sorbonne Business School. The Global Observatory of uh, Sustainable Proximities is an amazing new uh, global movement for federating the different mayors around the world, the local uh, governments, academic researchers, civic associations, citizen dwellers, and the economic uh, stakeholders. For developing this convergence between the different implementation of the revolution of proximities, 50-minute city, 30-minute territory, 10-minute city, this is the case in Brussels, in Seoul, the 15-minute city circles of communities, this is in China, the vital neighborhoods in Buenos Aires or in, in Bogota, etc. We have a lot of different nicknames for implementing this uh, worldwide revolution of proximities mm -hmm. and the Global Observatory of Sustainable Proximities is a new powerful place. And I want to invite our global audience for joining in this uh, effort, for continuing to develop not only this revolution of proximities, but to develop a happy daily proximity. So we will talk about the uh, Global Observatory of uh, Sustainable Proximities uh, more. It's a new thing and uh, we will hear a lot uh, more about it. And I'll also put a link in the description of the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for your invitation. And uh, thanks to everybody listening and join me next time on Collective Choices. Thank you.